Welcome to another episode at Economic Design. This month and next month, we're going to focus all on options, specifically DeFi options. The past two episodes, we talked about market volatility, impact volatility, how to read options, what are all these different charts trying to tell us, what can we infer from them, what are options contract, how do they derive the value, how does the value change, and all the other things around options. We also teased a little bit comparing CFI crypto options and DeFi crypto options. And now that we have gotten the basics out of the way, or at least gives you some understanding so that we can now start deep diving into the crux of this entire, these two months, which are DeFi options. We're going to look at the economics of these DeFi options. How are they structured? What are the mechanisms? How does the token add value? How does the token accrue value? And if that's something that you should use or not. And if you use them, how do you use them? If you're not using them, then what could be an alternative instead or why you shouldn't use them? So before I get started, I just want to have a disclaimer that nothing is an investment advice. Everything is purely educational. And because everything is purely educational, I also want to warn you that some products or option, option products can be quite risky. So please do your own additional research as well as go and figure out or learn about how, learn about the risk that you're encountering as you use these products. There, it's true that options help you to reduce risk in a lot of different ways. At the same time, options itself can also be quite risky if you don't know how to use them right. So hopefully by the end of this two months, it gives you some understanding of how options work, what are the different mechanisms, and how you could use them in your portfolio. Today is going to be the start of the deep dive of these different option projects. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to deep dive into specific kind of option protocols. So today we're going to do a high level option understanding of these different protocols available. And then we're going to compare just three of them, give you some understanding, give you some flavor, understanding the mechanisms, doing all the token stuff. So we're going to start with why do we even want to use DeFi options? How does the token come into play? Because there are CFI options available. So where is the value add for DeFi options? What are the different mechanisms at a high level? Then we're going to do an introduction to three different option protocols, a very high level one of Hedrick, OPYN, and Opium. So firstly, why do we use why do we use DeFi options? So the last time I talked about two main ones. One is to hedge against the price movement. So we talked about volatility in the first episode, and that's where you know prices move a lot and you want to protect yourself. So that is hedging against price movement. In a different way to put it, it's just insurance against price movement. If prices go too high or prices go too low, this is where your options could come in handy if you use it right. The other thing is, if you can use it to help you protect against your risk, then you can also use it to bet against the market, bet with the market. So you could use options to speculate in the market. And thirdly, which I did not add previously, is that you could be you could be a seller and you could earn revenue from selling options. This is something that is a lot more easily available in the DeFi protocols. So since we're going to talk about DeFi options, what is the difference between DeFi options and CFI options for crypto? There's a lot of CFI options available. We talked about it last, last week and you can check out the video. One of the main differences, oh, there are a few differences, so we're going to cover them. In general, CFI options currently are still very much focused on the top 10 or maybe just the top two 
DeFi or crypto asset products. So you have Bitcoin, you've got Ethereum. With DeFi, it allows you to expand to a lot more of the other options or all the other crypto assets and alternatives. Currently, most of the DeFi products or DeFi option protocols are focused on Ethereum, but that's just to test it out. And because everyone has Ethereum, it's easy to get demand, but it would not be difficult to switch to different kind of crypto assets or DeFi assets. So that is one of the biggest difference, which are the products available. Then there are a lot of details in between that makes, that makes it completely different from CeFi projects. So firstly, we have the incentivization method. So the DeFi, DeFi protocols in general, they have a token. And for these tokens, they, they incentivize people to, to become market makers, to become liquidity providers, to become users, to become stakers, to become a lot of different things that the protocol wants to incentivize. So that is quite different from just the traditional CeFi options protocol. Because in a traditional CeFi options protocol, you've got a market buyer, you've got a market seller. Come together, they trade, and they execute the trade. With DeFi, it adds a completely different layer because there's token, there are tokens involved, and how does the token interplay with all these different options? Second is the revenue split. So in general, as you can as you can imagine, every when you purchase options, there you have to pay a premium, you have to pay the price to have this options contract, and this premium usually goes to the seller. But in DeFi or with tokens involved, you could split them into more creative and interesting ways. So you could split them in more than one ways. Then the way option contracts are created and the way option contracts are traded are also quite different. So option contracts are created via the protocol. And so it's more or less standardized. You get to choose different kind of customization and then you can create the contract. So you could either trade the contract, which goes to the next point. You can either trade the contract as it is with all the different specifications or you could trade the tokens that represent the contract in one way or another. So there are a lot of different mechanisms involved, and it is quite interesting because there is no one standardized mechanism for DeFi. Then settlement. Remember we talked about European versus American option settlement? European is where you settle upon expiry, and American is where you can settle anytime. So in general, most of these DeFi products or DeFi option protocols are doing the European European options, so it settles at expiry date. And this is where automation can come in because if if the price is within if the price is in the market, so it, it is within the it allows you to make money as an option buyer, then it will execute it immediately and then you just settle. So it helps you to do that part. And we, there are also different types of market makers. So in DeFi, you have the liquidity providers, you have the, the option sellers, sometimes they are the same, you have the stakers, you have different types of people in the space, more than just the sellers, which are the, the option sellers or the contract creators. And then we also, as I mentioned, there are more asset types as well. So in CeFi, usually it's Bitcoin and Ethereum, and you might have some other stuff. You might have some other stuff on FTX. So FTX is a DeFi derivatives exchange, and they do quite a lot of stuff, also a lot of DeFi tokens. And with DeFi protocols, which is decentralized, they have a lot of different asset types depending on what the liquidity is for these asset types. And of course, for DeFi, DeFi protocols, you have tokens. And these tokens could be revenue generating, it could 
exist to represent some other asset? It really depends. So we're going to deep dive. We're going to dive deep into them. So what are the token functions? What is the general mechanism involved in tokens? What we want to understand when we look at these tokens, when we look at these mechanisms is, firstly, why does the token exist? Does the token exist for, for no reason? Does it exist to represent some underlying asset? Does it exist to accrue some value that's generated within the ecosystem? What can the token do? So I know in general, we have the, the four different functions, right? You have packed tokens, or you have this, yeah, it's subs, right? S is security, U is utility, M is money, and S again is for stable or packed tokens. So most of them are usually utility tokens because you can't be security. And, but utility is still a very broad category. So to what extent are they being used within the ecosystem? That's something that you have to consider and something to look into. Then the third question is, how does the, the token accrue value? Because if it doesn't accrue value, then it probably just represents something. It doesn't have to accrue value. But if it does accrue value, where is the value coming from? Because this is quite important when we're looking at the reasons to hold these tokens. And what, so one of the biggest cool thing about tokens is that it helps to incentivize or affect people's behaviors in the ecosystem. So what is the reaction or behaviors of people when we have these tokens involved, we have the incentivization mechanisms, and to what extent can the token help the ecosystem or help different token holders in the ecosystem? So now let's move on to the high-level mechanisms. So I, I have a lot of information for each of these protocols, but I think I'm going to put them in individuals in individual episodes so that we can go deep dive into them. And for this high level, we can just focus on the token model, the value accrual, and the value flow. The reason why I want to focus on these three is because they are the reason why tokens exist. The main difference between options and stuff like AMMs or decentralized exchanges, where we have a big episode on that as well, those you have a more generalized formula or generalized model. Because with, with exchanges, you always have a, an invariant, a constant, in which you're changing product A to product B. So that is the general model. And how, you, how can you tweak this general model to fit into the different types of decentralized exchange? That's what we talked about. And that's why it's a lot easier to cover them as a category. With options, it's quite different and it's quite difficult because options are quite complicated products. And the good thing about these kind of complicated products is that we can create very interesting models and very interesting ways of executing and using the tokens. So these models, I choose these three because these models are very different. And when they're very different, it's very interesting to understand a little bit more about how each mechanism works. And because of that, if I go into a lot more details, it's going to be a very long episode. So I'm going to just do a very high level understanding, general mechanism of token model, value flow, and value accrual. And then in the next episodes, we're going to deep dive into different protocols. We're going to look at three projects first. So we're going to start with Hedrick options. And we want to understand the token model of how Hedrick works. So we want to understand, we want to understand token model. We want to understand the value flow. So, you know, like creator 
used. And then the third thing is we want to understand value accrual. So Hedrick is an anonymous Hedrick's an anonymous site or anonymous founder group. And how does it work? Okay, so this is the Hedrick value flow model. And as you can see, we have the options in the middle, which is the smart contract creator. It, it creates the smart contract. It creates option as a smart contract. And then on both sides, we have the seller, which is the liquidity provider, as well as the option buyer, which is the, yeah, the person who, who buys the options. Now, this is where things get quite interesting. So how does it work? You know how options in general are individual so for, for DeFi or for CeFi options, you have a person having assets or make, becoming a market maker and then sell options. Some individual buys options. So it's individual and individual pairing together. With hedging, the difference is that it, they pull their assets. You can see it's pooled assets. So they pull their assets together. They lock their funds in the liquidity pool. And this, this pool is the market maker. So this pool is market maker. So there, the market maker will, at any time, anytime the option buyer buys a contract, they create a contract, they customize the specification, which uses the Black-Scholes model, then the option is created, in which if it's going to be executed, it will come, the assets, the underlying assets will come from the liquidity pool. And then the buyers will exit, the buyers exist, to purchase the smart contract. Now, and this in general is something that we are familiar with anyway, right? So you've got sellers, you've got buyers, instead of individual sellers, you have a market maker or a pool of assets to be sellers. And upon execution, what happens? Firstly, you get the Oracle price feed to understand the value of it, to understand the value of the underlying asset, which is Ethereum or Ether. And then you, you will execute accordingly. The difference is, as we can see, as every time a buyer buys an option, you have premium, premium, which is the price you pay to get the option contract. So you get you pay a premium, and the premium will be received by the liquidity pool. So all of them inside will get will receive the proportion proportion value of the premium the premium, which is the the ETH amount. And the key, the difference is this part that I want to circle up, which is the Hedrick, Hedrick ecosystem. So if a buyer wants to execute its contract, they have the right to do that. They just have to pay a fee, 1% of the value of the contract in ETH. And this ETH will go to the staking slots. So staking slots are people who will stake Hedrick tokens to get this ETH. And this is how the system works. So the token, so an individual could be liquidity, liquidity provider, and this is in ETH, or they could be in the staking slot or be in both, and this is in Hedrick. And they get to earn ETH and they get to earn Hedrick tokens. So in this way, the token model, this is the token model, and Hedrick is 
created as a way to reward users in the system. So the value flow comes primarily from the demand of people having these options. And where, why do people want to get Hedric tokens? Because then you can add, you can be you can use it for staking, you can use it for rewards, you can use it for governance, which is what they are doing. So they have limited amount of staking slots, and you have to have a limited amount of Hedric tokens to be staking. And how how Hedric is being used in the system is really a profit share, a profit profit sharing system for the entire system because it's not fair if only the liquidity providers are earning fees, but you could also be earning fees if you don't have if you can be earning fees by staking in the system and you get to earn the settlement fee as well. So you get to earn fees in two ways. So basically think about think about the premium at a hundred percent. So usually it's a hundred percent. This is for this is for C5. With Hedric, it it does some something like maybe five uh, percent to the community and ninety five percent. Just for instance, yeah, I don't know the specific detail, the specific split, and ninety five percent to sellers. And why do we want to reward the community? So firstly, because this is a decentralized platform, so you want to sh do revenue share to everyone in the ecosystem. Secondly, there are a lot of other external parties that are helping to promote this ecosystem. It could be people on Twitter, it could be believers in the project who are not, who don't have, the, who are not risk of us to be staking ETH as liquidity providers, or they don't have enough ETH to be liquidity, liquidity providers. So they can still earn and be part of this decentralized ecosystem by staking Hedric tokens and earning from the Hedric token ecosystem. So the value accrual is really as an entire ecosystem. So the value flow comes from having a lot of Options being executed. So these people think of these people as something like your your influencers. So these influencers are not going to be buyers or sellers, which is where they can't earn any money, but they are promoting the platform. So they get to have they get to have some tokens. They stake the tokens in the ecosystem, and they can earn they can earn some fees from transactions because they're promoting the platform. You have more transactions in the platform and you get to earn more fees. So this is the general idea. So the value flow really comes from options being sold and being executed. And the value accrual comes from it being when it's being executed. So this is the Hedric token model. The next model that we're going to look at is Opium, which is also very interesting. Okay, and in this model, we're going to look at Opium. So Opium is a different kind of options contract or options protocol. So just now the main the main thing was that if you have ETH and I'll put all my ETH into liquidity pool and I will be earning premiums from all these different option contracts being bought. So you have to put 100% of my stake in the liquidity pool. With Opium, it's quite different because I'm only putting the amount of assets that I have at risk. So before we go into those details, I'll show you how the system works in general and so it will make more sense so instead of one big liquidity pool that has all the different sellers we have individual sellers individual buyers so think of this as I don't know, your tinder or something where your buyers and sellers telling their orders and then the orders will be matched will be matched in this you know big order sheet and then once they're matched you have the matchmaker that says buyer one 
and buyer and seller one are matched, buyer two and seller two are matched. Then it goes into the smart contract, which will take, which will have two aspects, the input and the output. So this is where the smart contract comes into play. The input is where they will get the oracle to find the price of the underlying, and then the output is to, to figure out how much to pay. This is something that's going to be very important later when we when I get some numbers and show you what it means. What do you get at the end? You get at the end, you get the opium minter, and it it means your contract. So this is your options contract. And it because each options contract is quite specific, right? Because you have your different expiry date, your different your different strike price, your you have a lot of different kind of elements in the contract. So the options contract is quite it's quite um unique on its own. So it becomes a 721, which is a non-fungible token, in which this 721 can be traded. So this 721 can be traded, and it from now to expiry, the value of the token, the value of this options contract is that it can be traded and you can on based on implied volatility that we talked about before and all the other things that's involved. So you can trade it and you can earn money from it. Now, what happens when it comes to settlement? When it comes to settlement, then you have the, the smart contract that will go back, check how much to pay out, and then be paying out accordingly. So let's take some numbers to understand what's going on. So let's say as a seller, I I am betting, okay, let's do call option. Call option means I want to buy the asset. And let's use ETH. Okay? So as a seller, I want to I want to I bet that the prices will go down. So SA prices up goes up. So um, no, say prices goes down. So as a seller, I say if price goes down by 15%. And, and for it to match, then someone has to say, I bet that if price goes up by 15%. So that is that's the amount we're talking about, right? So in this in, in this process, firstly, there's going to be people who say, I think if price will go up or will go down by. 8%, 2%, 15%, 20%, 50%, doesn't matter. But one, what the system does is to match. This person says 15%, this person says 15%, so let's match them. 15% and 15%. So what, it, so what it does now, then I will put 15% into, into, the, into the smart contract, and that is the amount that will be locked up. And so the total amount will be the total amount in the smart contract will be 15% of E plus 15%. So you get total is 30% in the system. And now, what, what is, what's out on the other side? So once the, once the smart contract is done, it will be minted into a 721. It can be traded forever. Let's not care about this. Let's look at upon settlement. So upon settlement, all of these are settled at European, these are all European contracts, so that means they're settled at expiry date. So when it's settled, so let's say at settlement, let's say 
at settlement uh, prices goes down by 10%. Okay, so how how does this work? This is where the smart contract comes in. This is to, this is where it will determine how much to pay out. Remember, the total amount that we have inside is 30%. So prices go down by 10%. As a seller, you bet that your price goes down by 15%. So because of that, seller, you get back 15%, your original bet, plus you get the 10% where you're actually correct. Buyer, on the other hand, you get back your 15% that you put in, but because you bet wrongly, so you minus the 10%, you get 5%. And seller, you get 25%. So this is, this is how the options contracts are being settled on the opium network, which is very different from the other mechanism from Hedrick. So, and where, where are the fees being accrued? So the fees, the fees are accrued with 10% goes to the platform. So any fees involved, 10% goes to the platform and 90% goes to the seller for premium. So this is settlement, but every time there is a trade occurring. Once again, you have the same thing. You've got premium. So pay premium. And receive premium. So pay premium, of which 90% goes to sellers, and then 10% goes to the entire ecosystem. This is just a general idea. So the value accrual is from the system being used more often, the more the more execution, the more matches, the more people purchasing options, the more revenue is being earned, and those can be redistributed to users. The, yeah, we'll talk about all the different the distribution of tokens and all the economics of tokens as we deep dive into the topic. Now, for the last one, I'm going to talk about OPYN. And I think OPYN is very interesting because it has a completely different model. We saw so I, I picked this three because the models are very different. The first model is where it's pooled liquidity. The second model is where it's individuals, individual buyer and seller, and then you have you create an ERC20 that can be traded, and then upon settlement, you, you have all the different kind of settlement. The mechanism is also very different because one of them, it's cash settlement, and you put cash in there. The other one, so it's a bet, right? Uh, opium is a bet, and then you, you settle in cash. Hedging is really where you use it to hedge. You put your assets in there and you receive fees upon on that. Now, OP present the options instead. So let's look into it. So OPYN is quite different. What OPYN does is, okay, we have bonding curve over here. Instead of creating their own bonding curve, they use the Uniswap bonding curve. It does a very interesting way. It's kind of like make a DAO where you have collaterals in a liquidity pool or a vault. And from there, you can mint tokens to represent the ownership in the vault. And then you can, and then these old tokens can be traded accordingly. So of course, there are a lot of details inside where you can customize the kind of option contracts that's created based on the expiry, strike price, and all the other things. And then you create old tokens. So these old tokens now represent the contract represents 
the options contract in the system. And buyers get to pay a premium when they buy the old tokens. And so in this scenario, the old tokens are very different from the Hedric and Opium tokens because old tokens are just a representation of the LP, the, the collaterals in the vault. So they are not, they're not exactly revenue generating. There is also no profit. There's no profit mechanism in this OPYN model because, I mean, on one hand, it's good because it encourages more people to purchase them. On the other hand, it's not good because as a community, you don't share profits to everyone in the community. So it really depends on the system. So the model here is very, very interesting and very different from the other models that we have talked about. So now that we've covered three models in pictorial form, high, very high level, let's come together to understand the difference in these different models, a little comparison chart. Okay, so this is the comparison chart that I want to share when it comes to DeFi options comparison. So what we want to, we're going to compare four main ways of understanding options. We look at the token use case, we look at the token value accrual, we look at how the contract is created, as well as how tokens, how the option contract is traded. A very important understanding to know how the option contract can be traded is because you can earn money from trading the options contract. So it becomes a new revenue model. And options is complicated because there's so many ways to make money. There's so many ways to structure it. There's different types of risks involved. And so there are different reasons why people want to buy options and sell options. And so having a primary market and a secondary market can be quite important sometimes when we're talking about options. So let's do a comparison between Hedric, Opium, and, and OPYN. With the token use case, the Hedric, Hedric and Opium, they're both for staking, governance, and reward, So, which is the usual utility function. With OPYN, it doesn't have those functions. It's really just a representation of the collaterals, of the collaterals in the vault or the liquidity pool, whatever you want to call it. When it comes to token value accrual, where is the value coming from? What value is, is it accrual, accruing? With Hedric and Opium, it's, it's the premiums, the premiums available when things are being paid. With OPYN, it's, it just represents the collaterals, that's it. With contract creation, how, it, how are the option contracts being created? With Hedric and OPYN, they use the Black-Scholes model. I've also talked about them in a previous episode, that is the general theoretical formula for pricing options. So they use that formula. All you have to do, if you go and check those projects out, you have to just click the numbers that you're interested in, it creates the option contracts for you. With Opium, it's a more of a bilateral risk pairing. If both of us are interested in 15%, either prices go up, prices go down, then we will come into an agreement together and that's how we pair it. We are not paired to for the options per se. And yeah, we are we pull the, the difference, the 15% in a liquidity pool. How the options are traded? With Hedric, there is no way to trade the option. As you can see from the diagram that I've drawn just now, the options contract is, the option is, is created and then it's, it waits until expiry and then it'll be executed, whether, whether, if you want to execute it or not. But it's not being traded. With Opium, the way it's being traded is that the option is now an ERC721 non-fungible token that can be traded in the secondary market. Opium in the project, in the protocol itself, the platform itself, they have a secondary market which you could trade the 721. 
Lastly, for OPYN, all the options become standardized into old tokens. And old tokens are available on Uniswap. So you can trade the old tokens and they are all fungible with each other. So these are three very different ways options are being created, options are being produced, options are being understood, and they're all pretty much the same thing. They all represent ETH calls and put options, but they're presented and the mechanisms are all very different. So that is it. That's it for this week's episode. I just want to give you a very high-level understanding of what the mechanisms are there, what the mechanisms are, the very different mechanisms, the different incentive models, the different ways tokens accrue value, different use cases, not the general use case, but the way tokens are being executed and used in the ecosystem. They're all completely different. So this will probably give you a better understanding as we go in and deep dive into the different protocols in the next couple of weeks. And hopefully this gives you some understanding of what tokens are. I do want to go a little bit more into understanding these tokens for options or the various option strategies, but I think I'll do them in the specific video deep dives because then it will make sense of how do you apply this specific, let's say, your call, if you want to buy a call option, what does it mean? How do you do it? And how can you mix and match different strategies to help you protect against your assets? So those will be discussed as we go into each individual episodes. And till then, leave any comments that you have in the comments below and I'll see you next week. Bye.